Your room looks like Wayne's World. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to Southern Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 169 of Sapnin Podcast, featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan, episode 169, the organ, Richards! <laughs> yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and this podcast is your ticket out of Loserville. We're your air hostess, and you probably like the way we're dressed. So the ticket was for a plane, because you didn't really specify with the ticket. <laughs> don't give me the fucking, I don't know, <laughs> arms and shoulders. They can't see that on the podcast, Mug. Look, I've caught you in a fucking, a crap pan off, right? <laughs> I can't believe. Anyway, this week's guest is singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and creator of Morgan Richards' love for rock music, James Bond. The missing installment in our busted podcast saga. James Bourne has written so many important songs to my and other people's life, especially growing up with Busted, Son of Dork, Future Boy, and his endless credits with everyone from McFly to Melcy from Spice Girls, Five Seconds of Summer, and a lot of surprises that we'll get into. But after 20 years of being in the mainstream spotlight, James is now releasing music under his own name with his first solo project. He put out his debut album, Safe Journey Home, back in 2020, and is now gearing up to follow it with Sugar Beach later on in 2022. So obviously, we had to invite him on to talk all about it and his influential career. He's done it all, Sean. And as we always say, a big gateway for people getting into music and the alternative scene. Yes, this was a fantastic chat with a final piece of the Busted puzzle. Quick question, has any other podcast ever had all three members of Busted on? Uh, I doubt it, not solo at least, you know. Well, does that make us the um, the main Busted podcast of all time? I, I don't want to use other people's words, but I think that's what they say. That's 100%, yeah. We are the number one Busted podcast in the world. But yes, it was fantastic to speak to James, hear his stories, talk to him about his DeLorean, 
That's right, the man's got a DeLorean. Writing songs to people. That fucking blew us away. Just all around being a fucking legend. We talked for so long that I didn't even get to ask all my questions I had ready for him. So I'm hoping when he's on tour later this year, we can go there, do it in the flesh, and I can get some of these questions in. Because I really want to know his thoughts on UFOs and stuff, because I reckon he's <laughs> bang into him as well. <laughs> That's the thing. He's had such a crazy career. He's done so many... Mental. Un- absolutely Unbelievable. Mental. Unbelievable things, and we're going to get into all of that in this conversation where he literally wrote this new record, Sugar Beach, on Sugar Beach, the 20th anniversary of Busted, their first album, and what the future holds. His relationship with the Jonas Brothers, absolutely loving Back to the Future, and just secrets from everything from Son of Dork to McBusted, the tabloids, untouchable moments. It's all going on in this episode and it's going to blow you away with all the stories you're about to hear. Yes, I've never heard him talk about Son of Dork, really, since it. So, um, yeah, this was fucking really, really good. We enjoyed it. Uh, we talked for so long, it literally went from light to darkness in his house, and then he couldn't find the light switch to his room, which is um, as hilarious as it is uh, mental. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you very much to James for coming on. He has been the missing link that we've wanted on for quite some time. Maybe one day we'll get all three of them on together, the fucking solid trifecta, or me and you with Busted, the pen, pen, pen. Yeah, whatever that is. I don't fucking know. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't eat in GCSE maths. Not the drug, the letter. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so yeah, thanks again to James. This was fucking really, really good. I know you enjoyed it being a big fan, but even I enjoyed it. That sounded like I wasn't going to enjoy it, but I enjoyed it very, very much. And I genuinely hope we get to do one in the future. Yes. Well, throughout this episode, let us know your thoughts, your reactions to some of his unbelievable tales by giving us a tweet, a follow and a message at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. At Sapnin, S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N, pod, P-O-D. At S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. And just a reminder, if you want any more bonus nonsense from me and Sean, want to meet a whole community of fellow listeners to this podcast and just have a great time supporting us, please head over and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Yes, this week I've noticed uh, somebody new had signed up and they've posted already that they uh, love the family. Supportive everybody is. Yeah, it's just fucking... <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? We fucking made that, and people love each other and are absolutely fucking excellent. You'd think, right? Me being the prick, I am, um, and are, and am and are on stage. Yeah, that works, yeah. Fucking English, man. It's English. You'd think we'd have a collection of no-beds supporting us, but no, far from it. Absolute fucking legends somehow. So thanks, as always, to everybody who's part of our Patreon. We love you very, very much. You're fucking James Bourne. Yes, episode 169, the future boy himself on Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's happening? What's happening? Yes! 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 (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, and all gender progressives, this week's guest is multi-instrumentalist, singer, songwriter, creator of musical theatre, and boy from the future, he is the missing, the missing piece of our complete busted triangle, the wonderful James Bourne. How are you, James? Yeah, what an introduction. <laughs> Thank you. That's it. No, yeah, I'm out for the rest of the interview, to be honest. That's all I do. Oh, no, but how are you, man? Thanks for um, for taking the time. We've uh, wanted to do this for a while. There's been loads of requests for you, so I'm really happy that we could finally make this happen. But yeah, what's going on? How's things at the moment? What's going on in the Bourne world? It's, things are good. Just... Um... I'm excited about coming out of lockdown, playing shows again, going on tour in April, playing some shows, releasing songs, uh, doing all the stuff I like to do, all the stuff that makes me happy. So, yeah, just uh, excited to get on with it all. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, we're going to get into a lot of things in this conversation. I know Sean and I have a lot of uh, different subjects we want we want to bring up but two things i want to clarify before we start and the first is keeping up with you on social media it seems like you've been all over the place but being locked down in places these last couple of years as well so just uh just in case anyone's been wondering where are you actually based now these days so um i have a house in los angeles i also have a house in england here too um, down in Cornwall, you know, I've, I've spent, you know, at the beginning of lockdown when it was the most serious part of lockdown, I was in England at my house here. And then when the restrictions lifted, I made my way back to Los Angeles by way of Sugar Beach, which is where I made my album because <laughs> I was quarantining in the Caribbean by myself. And I just started writing songs and then that, that kind of 
obviously there are the restrictions of lockdown like you can't just go everywhere you have to sort of have to have a purpose and a reason so i i wanted to go to minneapolis and finish the album with john but it was like we were just completely on hold for that so you know i was like making tracks on my phone and sending loops to john and he would like send things back and then i would send things back on top of that so we were, we were working like that, but you can't really beat being in the same place. So we kind of eventually got it done and now we're getting ready to release it. We just released the first song and we announced the shows and really excited. So I was, you know, I was sort of, I was between uh, my place here and my place there. How has it been kind of going into solo material like this and using your own name really because obviously you've had so many other projects so has it been kind of nice these last couple of years with these two records now to kind of just put it under your own name and have like no restrictions on, on what it can be yeah it is like it, it has been really it has been really nice to do it to be honest like that's probably the best way to put it <laughs> it's just like it's just nice to kind of feel like i have an outlet for my songwriting that is an outlet that's just kind of something that I kind of can just have full control over. That's quite nice. I'd like it if more people knew about it. I'd like it if more people heard it, but like right now it, it, for me, it's just enough for me to be able to, it's like for me, writing songs is a little, it's like being creative and releasing songs. It's, making songs and releasing songs is a little bit like breathing. If you're just making them, you're breathing in and you're not exhaling, you know, it's like a, a, a one way thing where for me, releasing the stuff you make is an enjoyable part of it. It's been refreshing for me just to kind of do that. I like that my Spotify page is an empty. I like that I can leave some like music behind on it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I, n- I never thought about that. Yeah, I never thought you'd have like an empty. Yeah, it just says James Bond, and it's just hardly anything there. Well, yeah, when you look at everything else you've done, there's you know. yeah, it was it was just I, that for me was actually one of the one of the motivating things. It kind of like because I've been in obviously I've been like I'm a singer songwriter, and I've been I, I write songs and I sing and I play guitar and I've been doing that for twenty years, and it was just weird seeing my Spotify page have nothing on it. It was like. I post on Instagram, but I don't post on Spotify. What's that? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bit mad. Yeah, like 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 being solo used to be a big deal. Like going solo or just making a decision to go solo, it used to be a bigger deal than what it is now. Like now, everyone's solo. Mm. Yeah, because everyone has a profile. Yeah, it is almost weird if now a band comes out and one of them, at least one of them, doesn't have something on the go on the side as well. Yeah, it just it just it just felt like natural, and it and it kind of felt like it was just kind of inevitable. And I'm actually really glad with the way it worked out because I, I actually wanted to do my solo stuff in 2012, and then oh. I went to McFly show and I did an impromptu acoustic set. And it turned into McBusted and then Busted, and and then it was 2019, and then there was COVID. So before you know it, ten years goes by. Mad, isn't it? It's fucking mental. How, how quick it seems. Yeah, so like it, it, it just kind of felt like you know, well, be careful what you wish for because now whether I like it or not, I'm solo. I'm locked down. <laughs> I'm solo. I'm alone. <laughs> <laughs> How different was your idea of 
that solo, a first solo material that you were planning to do in 2012 compared to now and Safe Journey Home? I'm glad. I'm glad it was. I'm glad I waited. I'm glad. It, I'm glad that everything happened the way it did because I think it's better now than it would have been. And to be honest, like a lot of the songs that I had for myself lined up ended up just being busted songs or, you know, songs, couple of songs got recorded on Muck Busted, you know? So I kind of had songs I thought I might like to do, but um, once songs are out, if you want to play them, you can play them. It doesn't really matter. You know, I, I just like releasing music and it was nice. To like, and, but like, I did want to release stuff for myself and it was, you know, in, in the lockdown, I had every opportunity to get on with it. And I did. And I just, you know, there's rules against playing shows, but there's no, there's no law that says you can't release songs. So I just thought, well, I'll just get on and I'll just release some songs for whoever wants to listen. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm finally glad to be getting into playing live now. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But, um, take us back to, being really locked down on this island because it seemed that you just took it in your stride to write these songs and and everything was it kind of like a different experience than anything you've written before because i know you've written for so many other artists and there's been different circumstances and whatnot but just to be literally locked away on a beach by yourself must have been like a weird creative mindset in a way yeah it, it you know what it was it wasn't the, the beauty of it was it wasn't like a planned thing. It was like joked about like John Fields, the guy that produced both my albums. He also produced night driver for busted. So um, I've made like a lot of music with him. He was the one that suggested going to sugar beach. Cause I had to go somewhere. I couldn't go straight to America because of the law. He found the sugar beach place. And I was like, this looks really expensive, you know? And I was like, if I go here, I should probably, make an album so I c- it could be a business experience. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. Write it off! Write the bugger off! Yes! So, I, I was like, I thought I should do music there. I didn't think I would get, you know, you don't think you're going to get a whole album, but uh, the first week I didn't do any music because I was kind of stressed out about everything. And But then after a week goes by, you do start to feel like you have all the time in the world. <laughs> You know, I wrote the first song and um, that song led, led to more. It, it, that song led to more songs. So um, it, it, it just kind of happened. I got to the point when I had like three songs. That was when I was like, I am going to go. I'm actually going to like endeavor to, to write an album. Because I really loved the three that I had and it felt like the the it felt like the nucleus of an album. I'm really excited to hear the record when it drops, man. But um, a, a question I did want to ask, and this is deadly serious. Now, obviously, your favorite film is Back to the Future. Absolute classic. When Matt Willis was on the podcast, he mentioned to us that you all still own a DeLorean somewhere in storage. Could you give me an update about this? Are you able to get it out often? <laughs> And can me and Sean go for a ride in it sometime because yeah, that would like, be a dream. Like a goal. <laughs> the, the one, that, the one that I think he's referring to that we have in storage was um, was built for our show. Ah, oh. so like, <laughs> yeah, no water. <laughs> yeah, so like, you can't, you can't, like, it doesn't drive. 
Yeah, there's no chance of getting to 88 mile an hour at all. <laughs> it's designed to kind of come down, you know, like it's part of, it's a set piece, but it looks really good. And it, it looks like the one from the film, but like I have DeLorean that's real DeLorean. It's not designed like the one from the movie. It's just an original DeLorean. Oh, wow. It's really actually neat looking because it still looks like the car from Back to the Future, but it doesn't have, you know, the gizmos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Flex capacitor. There's a lot of DeLorean owners. Like, uh, there's a DeLorean community <laughs> that knows. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, like, but they, they, know, they know about my car. They know it's my car. They know... <laughs> They, they know who owned my car before me and before that guy and before that. Like, like my car is a famous DeLorean. So if I did anything to it, they would hate me. You know? oh. Yeah. Where's it based? Where's the car based at the moment? Is it UK or is it LA? No, it's, 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 in, it's in the UK. Um, I actually, I wanted to ship it over there, but it turned out it's actually cheaper just to buy another DeLorean. In, in <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Wow. So, so I, I just keep it, in, I keep it in England. Have you had to do many repairs or anything to it? Or I'd imagine they're quite costly to look after. It's not really. I mean, if I drive it, make sure it has an MOT and make sure it's taxed and insured. And it's classic, it's classic cars insurance, which is not very expensive. Oh, wow. Okay. I was, I was going to ask, is it a case of like a pride and joy that you keep Oh, like locked away, like nicely done. No, or do you take it's, it it's out? Actually, it's, it's actually parked in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was going to oh. say, when was the last time you just went and had a look at it? Because in my mind, it? it was in the garage. It had a, you know, it had like the full fucking plastic wrap on it, and yeah. just whip that yeah. off every now and again. Just have a look at it. No, it's just out there on the drive. That's fucking brilliant. Actually, like it was like about five months ago, I had. I actually took all the wheels off it with my dad and um, we like replaced the tires ourselves in the driveway, which was fun. Um, it's a really cool car. You have to like, I, I really love DeLoreans and I love the way, I love the way I feel when I'm, when I'm driving it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of car, like, you know, Jeremy Clarkson, like I remember once it was like at the Brit Awards or something, I had just got my DeLorean and he was walking past me and I kind of like kind of shouted out like, like, what do you think of DeLoreans? And he kind of turned around and looked at me and he just went, they're old. Oh, <laughs> oh thanks, young. Yeah. Thanks, young Jeremy. Thank you. Yeah. He, and he, but like, I guess if you're like just most like car fanatics, they don't have good things. I mean, it is a heavy, it's like kind of clunky. It's heavy. Like, it's not like a smooth drive. But it's, it's a fucking DeLorean. It's a good drive. <laughs> yeah. I, fucking I, right. I, yeah. I, know, I know nothing about cars. I'm not into cars whatsoever. But Back to Future is also my favorite film. And the DeLorean is the only one I care about. So, hence all the, uh, hence all the questions. But, James, you mentioned, really, you've been doing music now for over 20 years. And in that time, so much has happened. You've had so many different projects. There's been starts and breakups reunions you've written for so many other people is it weird when you get a chance to look back and just see the amount of stuff and the back catalog of kind of songs you've written and have credited for and everything like that you've achieved in that time like do you ever just 
have a chance to think back and gone, well, I've, I've done a lot in the last two decades. Yeah. I mean, like, like, yeah, I mean, I'm always thinking about like what's in front of me and I don't really like to dwell too much on the past. I don't really want to pat myself on the back for it either. But like, there are moments where you think, oh, wow. Like there are definitely those moments. I just, I don't really, I, I don't like to get too bogged down in that stuff because I mean, recently, I mean, I was, I went to see Jonas Brothers at Hollywood Bowl and I watched 15,000 people sing year 3000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it was like, and it is, it is wild because to, to like some, like that song I would say is probably, um, if like song, if, if songs are like, um, on a baseball field, you know, that song is like a home run, you know, like in hook where he hits the home run and the baseball just keeps going in, into space. I mean, that song seems to just keep traveling and keeps like, it doesn't seem to slow down. Yeah. How did that, how did that, um, come about? How did Jonas brothers end up with the song? I just, it was like 2000 and it was like 2006. And I, I got a phone call randomly and it was this like guy who was a record exec, this guy, David Massey, who was a big deal and he was a big deal in England, but he, he was in the U S and now, and he'd moved there and he was like, I, I'd been writing songs for Nick Jonas when he was like really young. I think when he was maybe 13 or 14, maybe younger than that, maybe 12, but his voice hadn't broken yet. So it was like, I knew who he was. I knew he, there was this kid that was signed in America and he was a Christian artist. That's all I, that's what I knew. Dave was like, can, can, uh, can Nick sing year 3000 with his brothers that, you know, it's not really working out for him solo and he's got these brothers and, you know, we'd want to do something like busted for them in, in America and we'd like sing your song. And I'm thinking, I was like, and I just, and I, I just said, I just said, yeah, I was like, so I just felt like I was doing this guy who was a big deal, this record exec, Dave Massey. I felt like I was doing him a favor. And I didn't really understand why he needed, why he needed my permission because it was a cover and anyone can cover stuff. But he said there were a couple lines that weren't going to fly on radio Disney. Do you mind if we change them? And, or would you want to change them? And I said, well, I don't really want to change them. I don't really want to stop you doing it, but I don't really want to change him. And if you have to change him, I don't think that it's fair that I don't really want to give up any publishing because the song is kind of fine as it is. But if you need to do that for you and you want to make some changes, I mean, knock yourself out, <laughs> like, like do what, you know, whatever you want. I mean, it's still the same song in my eyes. Yeah. Had you ever, had you ever been over there as busted and played that song live? We didn't really spend much time as busted in the States. We did that MTV two show mm. and that was about a few weeks of filming, but we really didn't get a chance. We really didn't get a, we did, the band kind of split up before it started in America. We had one song that went to radio and that was quickly taken off the radio when they realized that we weren't going to be a band anymore. So I didn't think I would hear from the Jonas brothers. Ever again. <laughs> um, and then, and then like next thing, you know, they're the biggest thing. And, you know, we just, we sang the song with them right before the pandemic at Wembley stadium. It was like an amazing moment. We all sang the song together and, you know, they invited us to do it with them. And 
But it, it must be kind of strange for you as well, because now it seems like year 3000 has become such a trend on TikTok and stuff like that with the younger generation, where people are realizing, like younger people in the States are realizing that it's not a Jonas Brothers song and that it's busted. And then there's people over here finding out the Jonas Brothers even covered it. So it must be weird to see how a song like that is hitting so many other generations and different fan bases as it goes on. Yeah, I mean, like, as a songwriter, I think, like, it is kind of a, a, a dream scenario for a song to take on a life of its own. I think, like, because I've written a lot of songs and that song really stands out as a song that keeps on, like, having new life. The, the amazing thing about that is, is that, you know, we all know songs, the three of us, like, we could all sit here and uh, no, th- there's definitely songs that we know that we don't remember we know. And I, I feel like for year 3000, it's almost entering that world where it's a song that people have forgotten that they know that they know. <laughs> you know, like, you know the words to it, but it's probably not on your mind every day. But, you know, if it comes on it, or if you're like prompted, you probably know how, how some of the words go, you know? Yeah. Like, no, a, lot of people, a lot of people have that connection with the song. Mm. So, and it is amazing all, all over the world. It doesn't matter like where I go. Um, if someone asks me what I do when I say music and they go, and have I ever heard of anything? If I say year 3000, <laughs> it's amazing how many people have heard it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I just crazy. give a fucking, sm- I just give the smuggest nod every time I would. Have you, have you heard anything of mine? Yeah. Yeah, you have. And I just wouldn't answer. I, yeah, you definitely have. You definitely have. I don't need to tell you about it. And that's it. Oh. That, that would be enough. But, um, but James, I, I would like to get into a, a little bit of Busted if we could, because obviously 2022 is actually the 20th anniversary of the band and the self-titled debut album. Now, obviously, you guys are kind of on the break at the moment, just kind of all doing your own separate thing since the band's reunion. Um, but like, is there any plans to maybe celebrate it in some way now? Like we had... Um like there have, there have been like kind of things that I know there was like, there was like, um, like an offer that we were talking about. I, I think, I don't, I don't know what's happening with it. I think, um, I think it'd be shame if we didn't do something with busted. I just think it's, um, it's one of those things that, uh, the three of us like have to all be kind of like on fire about it. I associate a lot of, fond memories with it and i think other people do too and it i wouldn't want to do it if it's like you know it's either all in or not all. i mean it, i think regardless if we do actually do any shows i think it would be fun if like we could have all of our albums exist on vinyl that would be fun it'd be fun to do some stuff that doesn't even require like for me i just like i would i would love to be able to um i want busted to be something that can release music and play shows. I don't want to turn into one of those bands that just play shows, you know, I hope we don't become like that. Uh, the answer to your question is I don't know uh, because it, it, it's, it's just kind of one of those things where the three of us, because of the pandemic, we've been quite separated. We haven't been in the same room. We can zoom, but it's not the same. You know, we just kind of need to like reconnect, catch up and decide like how we want to celebrate it. If we want to do that. But, you know, like, I think, I think patience about doing the right thing is also smart too, because 20th anniversary, 
25th anniversary, like who, you know, it's all the same shit. Do you know what I mean? We've got to celebrate it somehow. I don't know when it will be. I don't know how it will be. Whatever we do, it's got to be good. Like before we came back last time, I remember there were all these things like Matt and I were getting a lot of people were trying to get us to do something just us. I'll be ashamed if you didn't do anything. And, you know, I, I, I felt then a little bit like the way I feel now in that it just doesn't feel right right now. And tomorrow may feel different. It's, 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 the, it's the situation. Matt and I had like, remember that, that show? It was this TV show um, that reunite bands. And it just was like, just the situation didn't feel like, it just felt like the band was worthy of more. And we held out and we were right. The thing that's weird is that you don't, no one was really incentivized to really care about our band more than us. I think if, if the three of us can kind of have, have a high standard for our band, I think we can maintain a high standard if we do a reunion. If we don't all have that fire about it, then why, why bother? Yeah, no, I, 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 complete, I completely, completely agree with all that. But that record is, is something a lot of people would like to celebrate, especially people my age because i think that was the first cd i ever owned my dad took me to asda to get it and i've got so many fond memories around that time what's some of your like like highlights or earliest things that comes to mind when you when you think of that time in particular because obviously that was the catalyst for everything to explode from there it was just kind of a magical time you know we didn't um like my memories of that album 20 years ago, taking off. It was really surreal. It was like, this is so crazy. Our lives pretty much changed um, because of it. And we were like going to places we'd never been before internationally. All of a sudden you're in like a ski resort and you're, you feel like you're on holiday, but you're there because you're going to play a show, a radio show or something, or you're going to do something for your band. It was like that point where we were so crazy busy, you never really knew what country you were going to or where you were going to end up that night because you're focused on just what's in front of you, like what interview you're doing or what show you're playing or, you know, what, what's going on right now. But, like, there was this whole circus around the band, <laughs> like a, a whole record company, a whole team management team and tour manager and international people. It was like going to Germany on a Thursday, coming back to England on the next morning, and then like going to Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Amsterdam. Like we would do all these places like really quickly. And it was quite a lot of stuff, but it was like it was like a, a like a whirlwind, probably the best way to describe it. Do you remember do you remember the first time when you were on stage? after it came out that you were like, fucking hell, we're massive. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't, I don't really, I feel like the, I didn't really feel like we were big until I felt like we were doing well, but I didn't, I felt like the night that I felt like we really had made it was the Brit Awards night. Oh, wow. Cause we were nominated for three Brit Awards and some of the categories that we were in were like really like just full up with these like, like globally recognized, artists like Justin Timberlake or 
the Black Eyed Peas, and and we were sort of like performing at Brits and partying with all of these amazing, you know, playing ping pong backstage and Beyonce sitting there. It was like, <laughs> you know, it was just kind of like really crazy memories that don't seem real, if I'm honest. Um, it was just an amazing time. It was an amazing time to to sort of experience being in a band. And being in a band really was, um, it was a really fun existence while it was, while it lasted, you know. Yeah. I can't, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't get over uh, Beyonce, such a big voyeur of ping pong. Who'd have thought, like, who'd have thought she was such a big fan of watching other people play ping pong? To the left, to the left! <laughs> ah, sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, that was dreadful. Oh, well, yeah, that was good, I enjoyed that. Thank you. I enjoyed Thank that you. a lot, well done, Sean. Um, <laughs> Should we carry on with ping pong? Play on say! Uh, that oh, was worse. That was much worse. It was much was worse. I'm sorry you, about that. Oh, yeah, I, I fucked it. James, if you want to go... Left, to the left one was good. <laughs> that was, you <laughs> should you. have you should have quit you. where you're ahead. Yeah. You should have quit where you're ahead. But, but All no. my single players. All my single players. <laughs> right, come on, leave it now. Man. Leave it, Sean. Move on. Fuck's sake. But one of, the th- one of the things I love the most about Busted these days, James, is obviously like the three of you are all completely different individuals you know you all have different backgrounds you're into different things but when it comes together it just works you know but what best it is now just seems to be a combination of everything and i and we're a big advocate of saying that the band was such a gateway for a whole generation to get into music and go off to find their own kind of sounds and, and into the t- alternative scene especially but like when you think of, of busted today like going in, in the future, what would you like your part of Busted to be? Do you have like any particular like visions or ideas or anything that maybe, you know, if it's in a year, five years, whatever, that you'd like to do with the band? There are so many things, you know, <laughs> like there, I, I, it's a shame. I, I, I do feel like we are like, I feel like we're the most unsuccessful, successful band that ever lived. You know, <laughs> like I think there are so many, there are so many, stones left unturned for us always it never seems you know i always feel like when we take a break or whatever i always feel like i'm still hungry you know for uh, to do more and i never feel fully satisfied with it but like um i've come to except that it's just I've come to sort of feel like, you know, it's a, it's a big source of enjoyment for me. I also am proud of it and I also don't want to mess it up too. So uh, I, I'd want to be confident that it could be great the same way as I felt confident. It would be great when we, when we joined forces and did the super group with McFly and that was an amazing stepping stone to do busted again. That, that was a gateway back to our band in my eyes. Um, no one was really thinking about busted and we really were able to bring it back on a level that we were happy with. But like, I think we would, we would have to feel confident that it would be that. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I would love, there are so many different albums I think we could make if we wanted, if we wanted to do it, who, who knows? I just, I'm, I'm actually also really content with the story that we have too. Like, I think it's amazing that we were able to actually come back. Some bands don't get to even exist, let alone exist, go away and come back again. Like that, that's, I feel like, I feel like we've already had um, 
too much luck, you know? So no, not not at all. That's the thing. <laughs> I think like like Morgan said, you were a gateway to a lot of our listeners and to a lot of the rock and alternative scene. You were a gateway into that and pop and rock and you don't get enough, you guys don't get enough credit for it. And um, we've told we've told Charlie this and we've told Matt this before. You deserve more. You deserve more, gents. And I believe I believe there's a lot more to come. And I think, I, you know, I, I, I make it sound like I've got some sort of in with the band that I know what's going on. <laughs> well, actually, James, I've just talked to the others and, uh, and the management and uh, I think you found we're going on tour next week. No, um, yeah, I just, I, I'm just thankful on behalf of, of, of the rock scene, I guess, for you guys and uh, for what you did. And how was, how was playing Slam Dunk for you? Because I bet that must have been a bit of a change. And I also think that Sapnin Podcast was partially <laughs> to blame for that happening because we did say to Charlie early on, we said to Charlie, get fucking, because what were we doing? Where were we? Were we in Mo- the CIA? Yeah, Mo Point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we came down and, yeah, we were talking to Charlie, but then we were like, you guys should do, but you, sh- you should do Slam Dunk, it'd be fucking amazing. And he was like, I don't know, I don't know. And then when you were at Slam Dunk and we saw him after and he was a bit fucking drunk, he was like, ah, we're doing something! And I was like, fucking yes! But yeah, the reaction was fucking incredible. How was it for you? Yeah, it, mate, it was, it was actually, like, to be honest, the reaction at Slam Dunk and the reaction at Glastonbury, that was a different year. But still, these are all things that I don't think we would have been, you know, invited to the first time round. And, and kind of doing all those things the second time around really was kind of like eye-opening. Some people who never really saw us in that light, but the energy was amazing. Like I've got videos on my phone from it that I watch and I'm like, wow, this is like, this energy is incredible. And we really, we really got to experience a lot of things. And like, that's what was so good about us coming back and the time been passed since coming back. Like, we all kind of, um, we kind of grew up and then we, like joined our band again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then, and the world had changed and sort of we were accepted into different places that we weren't the first. It was super interesting, kind of like educational. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, like Morgan said, like Morgan said, I think it was because you were that gateway band that, what is it? Like, it must've been like, Maybe 15 years after the record comes out that you end up doing Slam Dunk and then it's all of those kids who grew up to you guys who are now into fucking ridiculously heavy metal bands that fucking are over the top still have the appreciation for you guys because if it wasn't for you they wouldn't be into you know guitar based music and punk and fucking rock or whatever so yeah it, yeah, it was it was fucking amazing to see also I think like as well like I think the first time when, when you're like when you're really young when you're like 17 years old or even younger, like Charlie was 16 when he like, I think when we signed the deal, like he was 16, we were 18. But the thing is, is that when you're that young, you kind of uh, like other bands that are older that you look up to, they, they, could, they quite have it like a, they're quite impressionable on you. I've found everyone that I've ever met from a band is basically the same person. <laughs> I mean, like everyone that I've met, like all the different bands, they're just kind of like, 
they're kind of cut from the same cloth. They all like music. They all, you know, touring bands. Do you know what I mean? It's like when I did, we, 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 started, we did the Get Happy Tour and it was like we were on tour with Bowling for Soup and um, Wheatus and Army of Freshmen. And we were sort of in this Kerrang world where Kerrang are coming down to cover the show. And they're a little bit like, you know, what are you doing here? And, you know, Jarrett from Bowling for Soup was just super cool and really, he was just such a cheerleader for... Um, for my band, for, for Son of Dork, you know, after Busted. And I, I, I actually didn't care. Like, it was weird. Charlie definitely cared a lot about critics. He just, it was, it meant the world to him. I never have cared about that. Um, I just don't, I just don't, I, I never have. But so, you know, if the Koran guy comes and says a snide remark about my band, I just don't care. And but Jarrett cared enough to like say stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. He's, um, uh, but I think I think all that stuff, like all that stuff, like kind of comes. I think if you have like a success that's kind of just kind of puts you in in a slightly different bracket, I guess. And I just I never really cared about it. I would have I could have definitely written songs like Air Hostess for another couple years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think it's safe to say, you know, speaking for people my age, the Bested is definitely the band that got him into everything else and shaped the people that they are today. You, you guys were my first gig, Newport Centre, like 2003, whatever it was. So, I mean, that, uh, that's a Gig virginity. That's lovely. <laughs> you took Morgan's virginity, James. Oh, wow. Um, uh, I'm really touched by that. Oh, <laughs> 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 so, like, it's, it's, it's cool, you know, a lot of people have really nice things to say about the band. It's really nice, really proud. I'm, I, I feel like we've left it a really good place. And I think, I think the door's not fully closed. It just has, to, we have, we have to kind of all be on the same. It's, you know, it's busted is about the three of us, you know, it's hard for me to answer the questions by myself. <laughs> yeah, no, we get, we get you, but you, um, you touched on son of dork there and I would absolutely like, love to get into that for a second because obviously you started that band straight away after busted broke up first time around put record welcome to loserville but looking back on it now do you kind of feel like there was like unsettled business on the band because it ended so abruptly or in a way do you feel it was like the perfect palate cleanser because it opened up so many other doors to life after busted and going on to other things like writing for other people and musicals and all that. Yeah. It was like, it was definitely, I think that's, I think looking back on the son of Dork is weirder than busted for me. That was, that was like a really weird, that was like a really weird chapter. What happened was busted ended very abruptly and all three of us got offered record deals we were getting a record deal each pretty much whether we wanted it or not. I definitely missed the band and I was like, well, I think I'd like to do another band because being in the band the first time was really fun. So maybe I'll just do it again. And it was really fun. Like definitely a lot of that fun, like that you have in a band, like we had a lot of that fun again. It was definitely um, the dynamic, the thing, the, the, the thing that was different about Son of Dork was there was a dynamic uh, between us as members 
we weren't all on the same even because I'd come from busted. I felt a little bit like I wasn't, I felt a little bit like I couldn't experience it the same way as them. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. 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 You were right. That, yeah. And yeah. I, I, and I, I just kind of, so I never felt like I was ever kind of seeing it the same way as them. So I was wondering what it was like for them. But it was also cool at the same time because there was like, there was also an element of, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was like Steve and, and Danny. And when we played Top of the Pops for the first time, Steve came up to me right before we went live. We were on the stage ready to play. Tick Out Loserville had done really well. Um, and we were on stage ready to play Top of the Pops. And Steve came up to me. He joined the band really late, like a month before our single came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, cause a lot of the album had been recorded already. He joined us right at the end of that. And it was coming, everything was happening so quickly. It was like fast track stuff. And, uh, Steve comes up to me and goes, James, I was working at Sainsbury's four weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm on top of the fucking pops. Like, and, and he, he said that to me right before we went live and I couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't. I couldn't hold it. It was just one of the funniest memories of, of that band. His delivery in that moment, it was just, it was so fun. He was so just chuffed to be there. And it was fun. It was like, they were, it was really good fun. And, you know, it was fun that we got to tour. Like, cause I think um, the record company, you know, the album, it did well by, by anyone's, by any normal standards, the album did well, but off the back of busted, it seemed like it wasn't going to be busted. So it just kind of, and also I was dealing with stuff just kind of Matt and I, we had, you know, people trying to cut me and Matt had written a lot of busted songs that were people were trying to dispute and kind of claim from us. So we were defending our song, our rights in, in the high court of justice. So that was another reason for the ending of son of Dork because I just kind of wanted to focus on that because that was quite a, quite a heavy thing to be going on in the background. Even though we still did touring, you know, we could have done another album. It's just, I just felt like dealing with that time went on and I just felt like the relationship between all the band members, just, you know, you want it to be good and it just wasn't. And, but it, it turned into a musical because I just felt like the music didn't really go as far as the busted music did. And I, I felt like I wanted to create a new way for the music to exist. So the musical happened, but. How did the Son of Dog line up form? Was it like auditions and stuff? Because I, I knew David. I know Di. <laughs> Little Di. Yeah, I know Dave, Di. Yeah. yeah, I know Dave yeah. from fucking hell. It's got to be 25 years. Another, another reason, and, 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 and I think as well, like Dave, you know, thing is with Dave, is like he really liked, um, I think Dave really liked being in the band too. I think I didn't really talk to the other guys much at the end because you know, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? You know, when a band kind of goes its separate ways, but like um, he was kind of trying to make the MySpace page really good. And then he kind of, at one point, he kind of took the MySpace password. Oh, no. <laughs> David then, Williams. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and I remember that being like, we still laugh. We like, we laugh really. I'm actually, I'm seeing Chris in about half an hour. Oh, um, wow. And we always laugh about the MySpace thing, but like, yeah, he was, to be honest, everyone, everyone in the band was, they're all good people. It's just, 
I just think it was a, there was actually three of the guys lived together and Dave lived with me in my house. It was like, um, well, it was an apartment. You know, we were like towards the end. I just don't really, I don't know. It just, Dave's quite loud, isn't he? Sometimes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, like, he is. Yeah. He's just, he it's like, it's just like, it's just like a lot. Yeah. Sometimes. Oh it's yeah. It, yeah. If you could say uh, ADHD was a person, I think Dave would be the front runner for the audition for the casting yeah, of. Uh, yeah, that's. Of but, you know, that's part of the reason why 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 we liked having him in the band because he was just loud and obnoxious and all those things. That's kind of what you want in a band. Welsh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, all of them, all of them. <laughs> like, yeah. Annoying Welshman. Let's get one of them. You know, there's there's no there's no bad blood from me there. Like I I just you know I think. But I don't like think I must call Dave to have a drink, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Well, we've uh, we've touched on you writing for other people quite a lot throughout the conversation, and obviously, a big part of your songwriting credits is the stuff of McFly, and obviously, the friendship there speaks for itself. But who else would people be surprised by that you've written for? You've just kind of had sessions Slayer. with Slayer. Like- <laughs> like- no, is there anybody that you've written for that we would be surprised by? Backstreet Boys. Shut up! <laughs> um, what? Uh, I was not expecting. I was a, fuck. I don't uh, know what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting a fucking Backstreet Boys. That's yeah, like, like like random, really random stuff. Like um, I've got a song on the Boys Own Greatest Hits. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, oh, I fucking love this. The Saturdays, five seconds of summer. The Vamps, you know, Train. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so the singer of Train, the singer of Train, who is like actually an unbelievable singer, helped get me my green card when I wanted it, actually. He, because um, he's like a Grammy Award winning rock star, this guy. He was making a record that was like solo. And uh, I got a call from my publisher and they were like, do you like Train? Yeah, Drops of Jupiter. I love that song. And they were like, so Pat Monaghan is doing a session. He wants, he, he wants someone to write with. Uh, can I send you along? And I was like, yeah, um, I'll go to that, please. 
and I went to the session and it was like just me and Pat. And he was like, you know, what ideas do you have? And I like played him this idea I had on the piano and he went, that's incredible. It was like a melody and a piano, but I had no words. And I was like, I don't have any words for this. And he goes, well, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> he went off to like a park or something and wrote words to that, uh, to that music. And then came back. I built the track in the studio. He came back and sung it and it went on his album, which is really awesome. Like I just, I love that that happened. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people like Gabriela chill me. She had a huge hit that sweet about me song. I had like, a couple songs that she recorded and released pixie lot i did two songs for her like but she, it was so crazy in that session i remember i fell asleep while i was writing the song because i was like really i was really jet lagged and i felt so bad about it because i was just like <laughs> um, honestly the song is good the song is good i just jet lagged <laughs> <laughs> it's not that i'm bored of the song i'm very very jet lagged pixie it was, it was crazy i, I mean MC Lars, I can't, I mean, I, I, I have like a list. I, the, the list of the songs that got recorded by people that didn't come out is crazier. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I was like working with some like crazy sessions. You know, I had, um, this song I did for David Cook. Um, he was like an American Idol winner. It was an unbelievable song. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be Kelly Clarkson. She was uh, supposed to record this song I wrote. I got an email about it actually last year that she's still going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Kelly, man, get a fucking move on, yeah. <laughs> I keep remembering like different ones. I did a song actually for 3T. Michael Jackson nephews, they all had a band and yeah. Well, it was like, it was crazy because actually um, that was an idea I was working on with Chris actually from So Dork and Tito Jackson. Um, came, <laughs> he came on the phone and he, uh, he started writing guitar, guitar riffs to the song. <laughs> and um, we were just like, this is really crazy. And then, Next thing you know, like I'm in Los Angeles with Tito in a studio and his kids are all there and singing the song. I mean, that's how I kind of really got to know those guys. And every year they have a Halloween party at the Jackson house and they invite me. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many times have you been? Do you go every year? Yeah. Of course. You can't turn well, that down. I mean, sure. Right, right, right. <laughs> Cancel this, eh? Well, can't, right, cancel the rest of this episode. Cancel going out with Chris, right? Because I need to know what the fuck, what is it like going to a Jackson's Halloween party? That's, made, that's the maddest sentence that's ever come out of this mouth. It's amazing. It was like, um, it's just like incredible. It's like uh, there's a, a hot dog truck and there's like Michael Jackson music and people dressed up as, as thriller zombies. I was about uh, to say, they are missing a trick if it's be. not fucking thriller fucking themed. Yeah. It's, unbelievable. It's also, it's also like they raise money for uh, the charity that their their mum, you know, when she was like, like uh, DD, the kid's mum, uh, Taj, Taj Terrell, TJ, their mum passed away and there's a foundation. They raise money for that. And so um, 
It's a really, it's an amazing time. He like Corey Feldman. He loves music. Like I went round to his house and jammed with him. Um, <laughs> Unbelievable. Listen to what's coming out of your mouth, James. They're fucking the maddest sentences people have ever said to me. And he's also really cool. His room looks like your room. <laughs> you see how your room has got like wood on the walls. It's like a rehearsal room like that. He has his own engineer. I went with my friend Mike and we spoke about Goonies, Lost Boys and played music. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, how could you not? Yeah. This fucking mad, didn't it? Yeah. And he showed me, he showed me all this cool, like memorabilia he has left over from all the films he's done. And it's really cool on the way up to the rehearsal studio. There are all these pictures of like legendary people, you know, like Aerosmith, Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson, and they all look stoked to be in the picture with him. They're all like leaning in to Corey Feldman. It's like, you forget that he, you know, he's done so many. Anyway, like I've been, I've been, I've been really lucky. I've, I've really met a lot of people I've always wanted to meet and made music with people I always want to make music with. And it's like, I could talk about it for a long time. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the the amount of things you've just said there must just feel like full circle moments. So like when you just, when you do have this time to step back and you just think of like the maddest experiences ever, I mean, yeah. I, put, I, I do want to put it in a book maybe, you know. Oh, for sure. Do it. For yeah, sure. Do it. Boy from the Future. You've got the book title. Let's do it. Boy from the Future. Thank you so much for taking the time for this. And obviously, just before you go, we've mentioned Sugar Beach. The single's out now. Um, where can people look out for the, the record for its release date or the tour dates and everything else you've got coming up? I'm touring April 19th to 25th. We're going to Glasgow, Bristol, Manchester, Birmingham and London. Um, just like a small run of shows, but they're going to be really good. And then, um, obviously, new music. Not not a date for the album yet, but I'm assuming it's not going to be far off. Nice. Awesome. Well, yes, just before you go, thank you very much for uh, for this. Thank you very much for the inspiration. Thank you very much for the music. Um, thank you very much for the stories. No, no, thank, thanks, thanks for inviting me on. I was like, it's like nice to, you know, nice to be on. Yeah, I'll say it's, it's meant the world. Yeah, yeah. We were super excited to have you on. So, um, yeah, thank you. And... Um, if we can in April, if there's a possibility, we'd love to do one of these in the flesh because you've obviously got so many more stories that we could <laughs> you could blow our fucking minds with. Yeah, I mean, I'd do a part two. Oh, yes, please. We, yeah, yes, definitely. Please. We've had Charlie on fucking three times. <laughs> so, fucking, you've got to catch he's up. Done it, he's done catch- it three times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He was drunk once, so if you want to... He was fucking steaming <laughs> once, yeah. So if you want to fucking come on drunk, we do fucking <laughs> drunk-busted podcasts. Yeah, we go through... Uh, yes! Oh, I can't do math. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Sorry, sorry, when, when, Charlie's, when Charlie's drunk, did, did his hair flop forward at the front? I've got a video on my phone, right, of him, like, gra- I'm videoing myself, like, look who we're with, and all of a sudden he just comes in, the giant monster he is, hey! and he goes, hey, you cunts! And we were like, bloody hell, Charles, bloody hell, uh, dropping the sea bomb but yeah. Thank you, man. Honestly, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. You're listening to Sammy Pocket! Yes! Woo! Fucking hell. You made me jump, and bro, you know I got these fucking... Right, so quick quick explanation before, um, before we cut fucking hell, but I've gone fucking deaf. I can't, I can't even think. So basically, just before we started recording this, um, my headphones failed. 
Um, I've got some nice Beats by Dre uh, Bluetooth headphones that I use to record this. And they have uh, given up. I have done absolutely nothing to them since we spoke to James. But now I went to turn them on and I've got the red and white battery lights of death. And so I've found these other uh, older headphones I've got that just so happen to uh, work with all this. And anything Morgan says is 72 times louder than he could ever be. So (laughs) the fact that he just shouted has scrambled my brain so much that my eyesight is no longer working. And I don't even know if I'm looking towards the camera anymore. You're not. You're not at all. I can't see a thing, but you've really hurt my brain. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, thank you very much to James Bourne. That was very, very interesting. I can't get over it. I can't fucking hear anything to get over anything now. <laughs> you, have, you have a go. Oh, you have a go talk about it. No, but it, it's an absolute honor to have him on. It's no secret my love for Busted is being you know, shared on this podcast many, many times. The first band I ever got into, as I mentioned in the conversation, the first CD I owned and the first live gig I ever went to um, back in the day. So I, I owe a lot to Busted and I'm really glad that we could finally get the missing piece in our Busted trilogy um, on the podcast now. Obviously, he's been very busy recording new solo music and a reminder that the album Sugar Beach by James Bourne will be released later on in 2022. So make sure to keep an eye out for a release date and everything. And he will be touring across the UK in April, starting on the 19th in Glasgow and then heading to Birmingham, London, Manchester and ending in Bristol on the 24th. Tickets are available now. Should be a hell of a show. And fingers crossed, Busted will do something to celebrate that 20th year anniversary of their debut album. 20 years of Busted. It's absolutely insane to think. Do you have a date for that? Do you know exactly when that is? I believe it's the end of September. Well, let's get Busted as a unit (gasps) on the podcast for them. We're putting it out there into the universe. Hey, guys, I'm manifesting, I believe. <laughs> this is what um, people people like, I don't know, manifesting. It's where you say things and do absolutely no work to make it happen. So um, <laughs> I put that out there to the world now. So if it does not, manifesting doesn't work and the secrets are a load of bullshit. So, uh, I, yes. Uh, well, let's manifest that because I would love an episode with all three of them. Um, I just realized I was six years old when that album came out. Which, the fact um, that you were six years old. When, <laughs> wait, when was it? When, 20 I'm, years. 20 years oh ago. My fucking God <laughs> alive, bro. Bro, I was trying to have sex with people. I was. Oh my God alive. I was. Yeah. I was wearing aftershave. <laughs> I just came out of nappies. Oh, you would literally just stop fucking shitting yourself, like. And there's me. I was a fucking grown up, probably with my first four chinnies. Oh wow. my god, alive! Wow, hey, time flies, eh? But ah, <sighs> takes here, us all, doesn't it? Yeah, here we are. But <laughs> if you've stumbled across this podcast for the first time and wondered how? what the hell let us know how 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 you stumbled across this podcast let us know at sapping pod at s-a-p-p-e-n-i-n-p-o-d at sapping pod s-a-p-p-e-n-i-n-p-o-d 
Yes, do that because last year Matt Willis appeared on the podcast. We've done three episodes with Charlie, two on his own, and he also appeared drunk at Slam Dunk Festival Special in 2019. So you can go in check those out and we've even had their good friends in dougie from mcfly on one of our very early episodes and long time producer jason perry is a regular guest over a lot of podcasts as well so go back and check all of that and let us know who you'd want in the future a full busters episode would be great and i reckon we try and work on mcfly now to try and complete the set with them yeah, remember when Dougie came on and then he th- he told us some McFly secrets and he thought nobody would ever listen to our podcast apart from me and you. And then he got out into the Sun newspaper and he went fucking mad and loads of McFly fans absolutely loved that the Sun newspaper had revealed that they'd made an album and give us absolutely zero credit whatsoever. Yeah, that was yeah. great, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. But shout out to a lot of people <laughs> who did try and fight our corner in that because yeah, that was that was not fun at all um but if you if you think oh bless him i wish i could make it up to him that they had to go through that well you can because you can go and sign up to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash sapmin where not only is there loads of other sapmin podcast exclusive content there but there's a whole community of the best people you will ever meet and they'll become your best friends and you'll have a great great time a laugh and just joining on all the fun Yes, if you've ever read the Sun newspaper, you are obliged to join our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. You never know, I might lie in the group like the Sun newspaper does. So check it out, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. We love everybody who's currently involved in the podcast, uh, in the Patreon, and who people who used to be involved in the Patreon, and we nearly love future Patreons. So you've got to become a Patreon to win our love. You do. And if you want to see just how much we love people, head to the description of this episode where we shout out a lot of names of people in the Patreon. And as always, Sean is going to give a mahoosive shout out to the elite members, the ones who have gone to the top tiers. Yes, thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwawe, Dana Lasnova, Janelle Kastan, Amadina Barno, Mitch Perry, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Irwin, Kelly Young, get well soon. She called COVID last week. Hope she's okay. Natasha Morris, Paul Hirschfield, Emma Barber, Nathan Croshaw, Sammy G, Tony Michael, Kat Besson, Captain Hannibal, Jenny Robertson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones, Amy Campion, Johnny Phillip, Alexandra Pemblinton, Mikey McDonald's McMuffins Buns, Tom Owen, Stuart McNaught, Caroline Robertson, Chris Howard, M. Evans Roberts, Joe Ackland, Jacob Hetherington, Louis Cook, Martina McManus, Danny Eaton, Carl Pendlebury, James McNaught, Craig Harris, Jenny Sexy Boy Munster, Lucy Diaz, Emily Perry, Kelly Cannon, Jason Aredia, John and Emma, Becky Andy, Adam King of the Goths Parslow, Ollie Amesbury, Joshua Crisp. He doesn't, he hasn't had a joke. <gasps> I'm going to check in on him after this. Thank you very much. Alice Wood, Katrina Robson, Reese Bowring, Keris Andrews, Kate Stevenson, Connor Lewins, Kyle David Smith, and Daniel Stevenson. You absolute fucking bunch of legends. And anybody who is also part of our Patreon, other than those people, we love you very, very much. You are absolute fucking superstars. We genuinely couldn't do this without you. And now I'm going to have to buy some um, brand new headphones. Thank you very much to the Patreon for um, helping me be able to do that later on today. 
<laughs> yeah, because that's something you definitely need so we can continue to do this. But thank you so much to anyone who supports us in any way they do by listening, sharing on your Instagram stories, tweeting about us, all that. Send this to your friends, anyone you know who loves Busted. Uh, we've really enjoyed this conversation and we'll be back every Friday with another episode to tickle your interest. But before we go, Sean, it's 978 years into the year 3000. I've written that down. Yeah, I wrote that down while we were having the chat for James. I was like, I was looking up. I was doing the const, you know, you know, when you're looking up trying to trying to get things. I was like, oh, uh, nine, how many? Nine hundred and seventy-eight years until it's the year three thousand. Yeah, I wrote that down. Um, not long, eh? Not long. Not long. No. We'll all be well. We'll all definitely be inside. Yeah, we'll be underwater as well. He's fucking. They're right, mate. <laughs> oh my god! It's not just fun pop punk. It's truth telling. It's spilling the beans. They probably have been to the... He's got a DeLorean! <gasps> it's, all, it's all come together. How am I only now working this out? James Bourne is literally from the future. Anyway, thank you very much, James. I've enjoyed this. Cheers, Morgan. Sapnin! Sapnin! Ah, <laughs> oh, mad. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.